Welcome to the first episode of Kids Under Construction. I'm Donna Tatro. This is a brand new podcast about parenting, but with a bit of a flip in the script. We are focusing on the kids' perspective. This podcast is about the process, not the result. Now, this isn't the podcast premiere I had planned for, but it is the one that we all need right now. So we're going for it. This is a tough time for kids, parents, families, communities, our country, the world. We are navigating a new normal. As we move through the days and weeks of the coronavirus pandemic, there are so many things as parents that we have to think about. How do we manage homeschooling, our own work schedules, anxiety and stress for the entire family, our elderly family members? There are so many questions. But this is a time for us to rise to the occasion. I truly believe a positive mindset, compassion for self and others, as well as staying calm and knowledgeable is how we can get through this. It's our choice on how we deal with what we can control in this chaotic time. I wanna start off with what we know right now regarding our children. As of today, the Los Angeles Unified School District, the second largest school district in the country, now has 60 grab-and-go locations for kids in need of meals, two meals per day per student. The coronavirus pandemic continues to force school closures across the U.S. and around the world. According to a March 16th update from Education Week, 69,000 U.S. schools are currently closed forcing nearly 36 million students out of classrooms and into online learning environments. Experts say we must consider the reality that not all of our nation's 51 million public school students have access to computers, Wi-Fi, or even a safe place to study. There is a huge digital divide. Millions of children will functionally miss a third of a year of school. And racism and xenophobia is showing its face now more too. The exposure to our children is added an anxiety to them. An Asian American journalist tweeted, quote, this morning a White House official referred to coronavirus as the Kung flu to my face. Makes me wonder what they're calling it behind my back, end quote. Now this is difficult for children to process. Social distancing, not all are completely on board. What is the lesson here for our children? This is not just about us, it's about all of us, our community. So how do parents address this? And how do we begin to teach our children at home? This seems like a daunting task. I'm a former teacher, but I've never homeschooled. I think about all the parents out there who are struggling. I wanna help. Now, based on all of this, I have asked a teacher whom I admire and who can really help parents with how to manage this very difficult situation. Kevin Butler has taught elementary school for 17 years. He has a BA in child study, an MA in education, and holds an additional 90 graduate credits in the areas of math, literacy, and social studies. Currently, he teaches fifth grade and is the director of curriculum and instruction at an independent school in Los Angeles. His instruction focuses on creating authentic learning experiences while engaging students in active learning. 
In addition to teaching, he speaks at educational conferences and presents his Creating the Experience workshop. He also has a podcast titled Lights, Cameras, Teach. He teaches teachers. So how lucky are we to have him for this lesson? Just so you know, we are all about practicing social distancing. So we are doing this podcast via Skype. We are doing our part. Mr. Kevin Butler, welcome. I am so happy to have you. I know you are crazy busy trying to manage your students and their parents. So thank you for taking the time. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you. So happy to have you. So what I want to do is I want to start with how are you feeling right now as a teacher and what are you hearing from our teachers and other teachers, parents, and students? Well, to be completely transparent, I'm scared. I'm sad. Um, I truly believe I have the best job in the world, and I love going to work. And the number one thing, and it's only been a couple of days, but I miss the daily interactions that I get to have with kids. And I'm sure that students are feeling the exact same way. I think people who are not teachers may not have realized that school is so much more than just learning how to do math and reading. The entire social emotional part of school is, is really just as vital as the academics. And teachers, you know, we're, we're missing that. So it, it's a difficult time. It's something that no matter how much we try to prepare for, it, it, it's something that I don't think anybody could prepare for. It seems like just this insurmountable task. Um, what are parents saying? What is the conversations you're having with parents right now? It is so helpful because so everybody has been just so flexible and so patient. Um, we started to implement some distant learning recently um, this week, and I can't be happier um, than the way that my school has rolled things out. We took things slow and steady. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I do work in a school that has a lot of resources for teachers and students and their parents. So I think just the level of flexibility and patience has really, really been helpful. So talk about that um, distance learning. I mean, the way you're dealing with it at your school if you look, you know, I mentioned that you're teaching at an independent school. If you're looking at an independent school against an LA Unified, say, for instance, I mean, what are the challenges that LA Unified is facing? Yeah, I mean, those are conversations I'm having with teachers, you know, all day yesterday and today. Um, you know, it's one of the positives of social media that you're able to connect with so many people so quickly. But um, it, it's definitely a challenge, but I think schools are doing the best they can to roll this out. I know personally for this first week, um, the way we kind of roll things out are teachers, are just, we're trying to maintain our entire current program, um, including all of our special area subjects. I mean, that includes library and art and PE and Spanish. And we're really, you know, we're using two platforms right now. Um, both that are free. They're, one's called Seesaw and one is called Google. We're using Seesaw actually for our younger students because it's a little easier to navigate and it works really well on an iPad. And then our older students are using Google Classroom really as their main source to gather lessons. Um, but teachers like myself, what we're basically doing right now, we're, we're uploading digital lessons. So um, we're recording things, submitting them to Google Classroom. Kids get to watch the videos. Um, 
there are so many e-sites right now that are, are available. Um, so many companies, I'm so happy, have really suspended their subscription fees. BrainPop, National Geographic, um, Khan Academy, Epic Books, Newsella, IXL, there's, the list goes on and on and on. But again, it goes back to that idea of having access to the internet. And I think something that we're going to learn when this is all over is having access to the internet and technology, I think is almost, I mean, it could be compared to having food and water. Um, it is just such a way that we now communicate. And okay. I know I've, I've been keeping up with what's happening at our local public schools. And I know they're, they're working as hard as they can to gather hotspots and get devices out. But all of that thing, those things take time. So again, I think it really goes back to just that idea of, of being patient. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely hearing what you're saying and knowing the reality of the lack of technology and that digital divide. How can parents teach? I mean, what would you recommend? Can you give us some concrete examples for a parent who might not have access? Sure. Well, I just have uh, heard that TV, I think, is actually going to play a big role in this. Um, PBS is actually just put out a whole K through 12 program. Um, so they have three different little um, sections. They have a K through three area, a four through eight, and a high school section. So I think we're going to actually be seeing teaching take place on, on the television sets. Um, so I think that will definitely be something that's going to help out. What other lessons are there in this crisis? I mean, for me, I think about how this is a really quite an amazing empathy build, particularly as it relates to the racism that we're seeing, the food and hoarding that we're seeing. Can you talk about how we can, you know, those softer skills, the empathy build? Yeah, I think um, kids are going to get a lesson on on a lot. Um, our This generation of kids knows instant gratification. I think, um, you know, we're so used to having everything at our fingertips that I think taking some time to just press pause and appreciate what we have and look at things that we have to look forward to the future is going to be something that is going to just be built into our everyday life now. Um, reading books, articles together as a family, um, I know you mentioned, you know, we can't profile people either. Um, just because someone is sneezing or someone is coughing or someone is from a, a specific, you know, one type of ethnicity does not mean they're infected with, you know, the, any type of virus that's going to hurt us or kill us. Um, and I also think age appropriate honesty too. I think depending on what your family is comfortable with and how old your children are, um, encourage them to ask questions because I, I know they have a lot of them. Um, and just hear them and then gear your answers to what you think is best. There's a great um, publishing company called the National Center for Youth Issues. They have so many great resources. Again, a lot of it now is all for free. Um, I use a lot of their books in my classroom actually as read-alouds. So that's something that parents can look into. There's another thing that I just stumbled across this week. It's called Pen Pal Schools. It's all about problem-solving situations. Um, and the, the website had, has been around for years. But I think now it's this, it's this place where kids can go virtually and they actually can collaborate with other kids from around the world and practice solving community issues 
Um, so I think that's going to be something that'll be cool to see happen too. And I think kids have to understand the implications you said, like of hoarding. Um, how does that affect other people? What are the pros and cons? Like if we were going, if school suddenly opened tomorrow, that would probably be my number one conversations I had with my class. Is it really necessary to buy cases and cases of one specific item? If you think it is, why? If you think it's not, why not? Um, Focusing on how are we helping others who are in need, um, food pantries, homeless shelters, the elderly. I love that, you know, what the argument that so many stores now are choosing to dedicate shopping hours to people who maybe are a higher risk. So I think there's so many conversations to be had. And I think so many of them can just become can come about as just authentic conversations from asking kids, what what are what are your questions? What do you have to have? You know, what is your say in all of this? I love that because I really believe in being curious with kids. And when we ask them, they will tell us. <laughs> so I think keep going. No, go ahead. Um, public libraries too. I think we forget about those. I know most of them are closed right now, but you know, something my school librarian quickly did, I mean, we're talking like less than a 24 hour turnaround is she made sure every student went home with a library card and the libraries now, again, this comes back to internet and how important technology is, but you could download so much stuff now from your public library, which is another great resource as well. That is a great resource. And you know, when we, when we think about this tech divide, I think about the fact that, um, most parents have an iPhone or some kind of phone. Can right. kids learn that way? Definitely. I know Google Classroom and Seesaw are both accessible from a, a cell phone. A lot of teachers now are using an, um, a website called Zoom um, yep. and Google and Google Hangouts, which is similar. Um, those are all accessible by phone. So I think we automatically think of when we think technology, like, you know, a laptop computer. You don't necessarily need a laptop computer. Will that make it easier? Sure. It's a lot easier to type on a computer. But again, a cell phone, I mean, what a cell phone holds, the knowledge that it could share with people, it's it's amazing. So uh, let's start with the basics. How would you set up a learning environment at your home? And can you kind of talk about the importance of routines and why children thrive with schedules? Can we talk about that? Yes. Kids need structure. That is my number one tip. And, you know, I think we're right now at a stage where this is a novelty still. Um, you know, I think kids are like, oh, this is fun for the kids, at least my students. This is fun. That's going <laughs> to wear off, <laughs> especially that we're, we're not having play dates with people. We're not going out. Like there's, there's really nothing to do there. After school activities are canceled. Um, I actually did a, a Zoom with one of my students today and he's an only child. So he doesn't have people his age, you know, in the house to play with. So I think we need structure. I love seeing on social media that parents are literally creating a, a daily schedule. Um, and I, I suggest sticking with that schedule. Let's that's how teachers do it in the classroom every day. Um, every morning, I put up on the board um, exactly what our day is going to look like, and kids like that. That makes kids feel safe. They know what to anticipate. There are no what ifs. Um, so I definitely would start with just setting up a schedule, something I'm doing as a teacher. Each night, I'm sharing um, just a sample schedule with parents. It's, it's very, they can modify it to their own time schedule. Um, and then flexibility. As much as we want that structure, if you're getting frustrated with something, walk away. Um, it's going to get easier, but right now our emotions are so high. 
we have to remember kids are not just missing academics, they're missing their friends, they're missing their teachers. Parents are stressed. There's so much unknown with this. So yeah. I think we all have to really have to take it, not even day by day, but seriously, hour by hour. Take it one step at a time and trust your teachers. You know, I've I'm getting emails responding to them. Um, we're all flexible. Um, just reach out to people and just take it day by day, hour by hour. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I, and I like the, the fact that you talk about the schedule and how that's so important. And I think for parents managing that schedule with the kids, you know, here at my house, we've built in a schedule based on what the teachers have sent, but we've had the conversation that, you know, mommy and daddy do have to work. And so if you have to maybe, you know, wait until I get through a call, I'll help you. So try to find something that you can do on your own until you need my help. And it's kind of that, I think there's that, that resilience build is coming in because it's like, you can, you can do this. I've got to do something and now you can do it. So I do see a lot of lessons all over the place trying to be positive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kids, I, I say, when I speak at, at conferences, I say kids can do and are capable of so much more than we think, and they will rise to the occasion. Um, something fun, let me throw in there, is there are so many virtual field trips going on right now. Yeah. Um, NASA, okay. yeah, like there's, NASA has opened up an entire um, program on their website. Um, zoos and aquariums ac across the country are doing virtual field trips. Um, and the latest one I read about, I have not personally tried it out yet, but Disney apparently are offering like virtual tours of their facilities too. Um, so all of those That's things. Cool. So like I said, if you need just like a, a 20 minute time where they could do something independently, that might be something that um, would be fun for them to try out. Yeah, that, that sounds really fun. Now we touched on play dates, but I want to talk about the recommendations and we really should be practicing social distancing. And of course, friendships matter. I mean, we talked, you talked about that in the beginning. It's how important it is for school age children. And my son, Asher, who is 11, got on Zoom today with his teacher and friends, and he really is missing his buddy. And so he and I had a little conversation, and I'm going to let you listen to that right now. Oh, sure. Hey there, Asher. Hi. Thank you for talking to me. Anytime. <laughs> so, Ash, how are you feeling? Are you missing your friends? Yeah, I'm missing my friends a lot. I really like spending time with them because they're really nice and kind. But it, I am feeling good to have quality family time with my family. That's nice. But what was cool for you today is you got to go on Zoom and see your friends during a class meeting. Your teacher was explaining some things. What was it like to see your friends? It was really fun. So Zoom works. It's like you click on a link and you get into this class meeting. So you get to see all your friends talk. We ask questions, give shout outs. What's a shout out? A shout out is basically a compliment. You're saying something good to someone for what they've done to you or to anyone, just doing something nice or kind. That must make you guys feel good. Yeah, it does. That's right. Did you give out a shout out? Um, yeah. To who? Um, to a dog. <laughs> Oh, there were some pets there on the yes. Uh, Zoom? Yes. Oh, that's so cool. So has it been hard to not see your friends and be out and playing with them? 
yes, it's very hard not to be out and playing anywhere, even just alone. It's just really hard not being able to run around, especially the rain that just came. It hasn't been fun. Right. And what about now, though, you do get to have a play date with Sage on chess.com, right? Uh, yes, it's an online app where you can talk to your friends, play chess. Thanks, sweetheart. Love you. Love you. So, Kevin, so what do you think about these virtual play dates? I mean, it's kind of what these kids have to do. <laughs> yes, um, I definitely would not have any real in-person play dates, please. <laughs> but because um, that'll defeat the purpose of us closing schools. But definitely these virtual things. I've actually tried to stop using the term social distancing. And I'm just okay. calling it. Uh, I'm calling it physical distancing because we can still be social with people. Um, again, like Zoom and FaceTime, which is super easy on an iPhone, Skype, Google Hangouts, all of those things will help us still be social with each other. I think the old fashioned, just picking up the phone, I don't think our yeah. younger generation is used to this, but actually, <laughs> yes, you could dial a phone number and you can hear the person on the other end. Um, that's something you don't need the internet for. Um, calling people, um, writing somebody a letter. I actually just went to the post office uh, before this call and I mailed my class um, some things in the mail because you know what? They might not be used to be getting like real snail mail. So all of those <laughs> no. things are so great, you know, and they, that's exciting to them. Again, it's a novelty. Ooh, I have got something in the mail. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? I, I really like the new term that you just threw out physical distance. Right. I mean, it, it just makes so much more sense. So I want to ask you about the practice of patience and self-compassion for parents out there right now, because this really is, I mean, look, yesterday I struggled. I had to tell the boys they had to start their school day after I was done with my stuff at 1130. So they had to kind of do things. They went outside for a bit. They had to do some other things on their own. Um, today they were able to get in there to their routine a little bit more because I had things later in the day, but I, you know, I, as a parent, you know, I feel badly because it's, um, I've got my head in a lot of different places and I'm not as present as I like to be. So can you talk about the fact that parents really do need to practice this self-compassion and, and what would you recommend? Because you're in the classroom with these kids nonstop you know, a lot of them, and you're going all over the place. How do you practice that self-compassion, and how can you teach parents how to do that? Uh, I wish there was an easy answer, um, but I think add a little humor into it. I think if you okay. hold, hold my my students, I think a lot of them would say that, you know, I'm tough and I'm strict, but Mr. Butler is also really funny. And, you know, saying things, a lot of time when I was doing my graduate work, we would have to be required to video record ourselves teaching lessons to kids. And the number one thing we would all come back and say is, wow, you know, I, I'm teaching a great lesson, but I'm not smiling. A smile is so important when, when giving directions, it makes people just happy. Um, so smile, add a little humor in, and just be honest too, you know, tell, you don't have the, you're not going to have the answer to everything. This is uncharted territory for everybody. Um, teachers were not trained for this. Parents were not trained for this. Kids were not trained for this. So it's just that idea of 
taking it again. I have to bring it back to just day by day, um, one step at a time. I have been practicing mindfulness with my kids for a while, really in the form of prayer, but recently um, more mindful meditations with apps. And I find them to be quite useful. And we do know from research that it really reduces stress, anxiety, and depression. And it really actually helps with discipline as well. I mean, there's some studies out there how they've used mindfulness um, in place of detention. So how do you how do you discipline kids? How do you keep kids calm if they are in a situation where, you know, they're supposed to maybe finish a couple questions in reading or in math and they're just done? What do you say to that? I think, you know, we also everybody has to be in mind that we are missing out on our activities or daily activities. And school right now is such a focus for these kids in such a different environment. So I think taking time to just pause and relax, if you're in an area where you can be outside, I mean, we're lucky enough that we are living in Los Angeles. So just taking time to go for a walk, ride your bike, um, just having those times of breaking and taking just taking a moment for yourself. I think music also is really going to help us through this time. Um you know, taking some time to just put some headphones on and listen to some music, relax. Music is great because we're not hearing news. We're not, you know, it's it's, it's comforting to us. So I think all those things together will definitely help out. Now, I have a question about technology. I mean, as far as kids are using it for entertainment, I mean, in my house at this point, it's no technology during the school day, which I'm assuming would probably be the right call for all kids. But I think that there is an important message as well to not consume too much outside of schooling because of what we are seeing in the news, which is not always the right source. There's a lot of hysteria. What do you say to that? to parents and limiting technology in that perspective? I think that's really important. I think we have to be very aware um, of social media right now, especially places like Facebook, where there's false news being put out there all the time. And unfortunately, I think sometimes it's put out there to cause panic or to make people upset. And kids, they can't differentiate between what's fake and what's, what's not. So I think Newspapers. I mean, again, I think we're going. We're going to see us going back in time a little bit. Um, <laughs> going, going in the morning and trying to grab a newspaper. Um, read the newspaper with your kids. Um, and again, each family is different. I think we should not be getting medical news from social media. I think we really, for medical facts, I personally am sticking with medical professionals. So I think we just have to avoid relying on social media right now to get our news. I also see this to me in my mindset. I'm usually the half glass or glass half full, not empty. And so that's just kind of my way. I see this kind of as a reset almost on the culture. You know, all these kids have so much structured playtime or extracurriculars. And now this unstructured situation kind of allows them to be kids like in the 70s. Um, So to me, 
I do see some positives. What other positives do you see? We we are talking about going back to back in the day here. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of connects to what some trends in actual in education are going, you know, the whole STEAM revolution, you know, science, technology, engineering, art and mathematics. I mean, when I was growing up in the 80s, like a cardboard box was an endless opportunity for <laughs> entertainment. Right. And I think we, as adults, probably will have to go back to our childhood and think about what are some of the things that we did when we were kids and we still had fun. Um, and I think the extra challenge right now is that it's something that kids are going to have to do by themselves, not with their friends. But I think kids will very quickly, they're res- resilient. So I think they're going to very quickly find out that the world has a lot to explore and there's a lot of fun things out there. I think the imagination is going to be uh, something that is very important during this time period too. A lot of things that I do in my classroom, I do a lot of these simulation lessons where we'll transform the classroom into, you know, most recently we did um, fraction football where we, we turn the classroom into a football field. And I always preface it with the kids that we, we know it's not a real football field. We know that this is pretend and the kids love it. The kids love it. And a lot of these simulation lessons that I do at my class involve absolutely no technology because I share a lot of it with other teachers who may work in schools that don't have technology. So it's all going back to the basics so I think that a whole idea of imaginative play and letting kids explore, I, th- I think that's all things that are going to be really important during this time. Are there any examples of other simulations that you could give to parents that would be an easy setup in the home? Uh, I have everything on my website. So if people want to just head over to that and take a look, I have a lot of information on there. I actually just posted a blog on there as well with a whole bunch of information uh, to share with teachers and parents. Um, That's probably the easiest way. Okay. What about um, kids? What are, what are the conversations, the mom and dad conversations after school is done for the day? How do you separate the two? Because you've got to separate the two. I mean, I have told my boys there's these expectations during the school day and then we can go back to mommy being mommy. Um, what do you say to parents about that? Because I think that that, you know, it could get a little bit uh, blurry. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um the parents now are the teacher and the parent. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a new role. I think um, as a teacher, I would like, I, I kind of play two roles too. I am there to educate them, but I also need to have a relationship outside of teaching them how to read and how to solve math problems. So I think it's just finding that that balance. And it's not something that's easy to do. It takes time. But Again, if I think if you would interview a student in my class, they could say, well, you know, Mr. Butler can give us really good de- directions and teach us something really good, but he also knows us as a, as a human. So I think it's, it's just when do we turn it on? When do we turn it off? And if you can, again, going back to that idea of how important it is to stick to a schedule, that at, you know, three o'clock or four o'clock, whatever it is, we're going, we're going to switch roles. You know, you're going to see me come back in a totally different light. Um, I think those are all things that we're going to have to navigate together. And I'm wondering about the actual quote unquote school day. 
Um, how, how many hours do the kids really need? I mean, if you could get a block of three to three and a half, four hours of actual learning, are you doing good? Yes. I think right now that is what all school districts are kind of using as their model is between three and four hours. And we're talking grades two and up. Um, I think kindergarten and first grade graders are in a very different um, world because they are not as independent, obviously, as older kids are. Um, but I would say somewhere in that three to four hours, I think anything over four hours is is probably a little excessive. Um, you also have to think of, you know, we think of school too, that kids are not sitting at their desk all day long for six or seven hours doing work. We are in motion all the time. So you can't expect suddenly your son or daughter to sit at a table and do all of his or her work in three straight hours. They need breaks. They need those times to get up and to move around. And now we're throwing in the fact that they don't have their their best friend sitting next to them that they can look at or chat to, chat with. Um, so I, again, I, I would not suggest doing like a a three hour block, just break it up. So, and making sure, yes, it's, you know, if they want to watch maybe a show for a few minutes or go outside, break it up. And what do you think about, I've been having my kids get up at the regular school time and I've given them a little leeway going later to bed, but not too much. Should that sleep routine stay the same as well? I think if you are in school right now, I know some schools are just starting spring break or finishing spring break or will be uh, taking some time off. I think if you are in school, I think we should probably try to stick you know, with those hours just, again, to keep them in routine. I think as humans, we are creatures of habit and keeping things as structured as possible is definitely going to benefit them because we don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, my fingers are crossed that in a few weeks we realize we overprepared and we can return back to school and return back to work in our everyday lives. Um, I don't know if that's wishful thinking or not, but I think that's the that's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking, I'm trying to avoid the doomsday that this is going to be ongoing forever, but let's try to stay in a schedule as much as possible. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, hoping that we are over-preparing. It's just such uncharted waters that we just don't know. What are how is the school planning? How are administrators planning? Is it literally a day-to-day discussion? It is. It's right before I started to chat with you, I was actually I am part of our administrative team. So I wear kind of two hats. I'm a teacher for most of the day, but after school hours and throughout the summer, I'm also our curriculum and instructional um, coordinator. So we we are playing it out day by day because the news and powers that are above our school are really dictating what life is going to look like. So anything is on the table right now. Um, I think administrators are being very open-minded and open to looking at things very differently. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important for parents to hear, for parents to relate to children? Um, anything that you could give to parents? Yeah, um, I, I think we, this is a unique opportunity to teach some civic lessons. Um, I'm personally, as a teacher, is I'm going to just start switching my social studies curriculum up and really looking at how our government works 
Um, how is the government helping people? Um, teaching your kids how government is run. There's a great free website called um, iCivics.com. And that's a great resource uh, for both parents and kids. Uh, just earlier today, I think Congress passed a stimulus act. Like, what does that mean? How is that going to help people? Um, yesterday, I received my census um, form in the mail. That's something that you could fill out as a family. So I think new opportunities are going to open up um, that we never thought of before. Yeah, I love that you say that because to me, learning is learning is learning and learning is everywhere. And if we can keep an open mind to that, then we don't have to do the doomsday. We can see that we're learning all sorts of things. I mean, there was one mom on Facebook who said, well, my kid is now learning how to cook. My kid is now right. learning how to do laundry. So there's a lot of learning to be done. Exactly. Exactly. So Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. Tell us Tell people where they can find you. Sure. Um, probably the easiest place is just to head over to uh, thekevinjbutler.com. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. I have a whole list of picture books on there, many that are available electronically now. Um, I'm so happy publishers are giving teachers and parents permission to read books aloud, to record them. I know I am reading a book every day, recording myself and then sharing it with my students at night. Uh, Storyline online. Also, it's like great virtual read alouds, but head over to my website. I have a blog post on there as well. Um, and take a look from there. Thank you so, so much, Kevin. I really, really appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. So as I leave you today, I hope you know Kids Under Construction is a podcast for parents to learn and grow. I hope today's information will help you as you move through this very difficult time. But remember to find the silver linings. They are there. Show your kids how to be resilient. Model it. They will follow suit. I promise. This is a bit of a reset. We've got this. We will continue to keep you informed and updated. And remember, beyond the coronavirus, there's still a whole lot of learning to be done. We have you covered. Don't forget to download and subscribe to Kids Under Construction. See you soon.